Hey guys, I'm Logan. And I'm Patsy. And this is Chills, a true crime podcast. So, this is our very first episode, so bear with us. We're a little nervous, and uh, I don't know, this, this may be a hot mess. We'll, we'll find out, but we've been wanting to start this for a while now, and we kind of actually got the balls to do it. So, thanks for listening. Yeah, thanks for listening. Um, so, I'm Logan. I am the daughter in this little mother-daughter duo, and Patsy is my mom, and yeah, we just love all things True crime. crime. So, yeah. Real quickly, I wanted to go over kind of our podcast structure. So we're going to be having a new episode every single Friday, except for today. We have three new episodes launching today. We are so stinking excited. Um, I am a very binge type person, and so I'm sure you guys are as well. I like to just binge things over and over and over again. Podcast, Netflix series, all of it. So I wanted to make sure that we had three new episodes so that way you guys could binge our little podcast here and kind of get a feel of what our podcast is about. I'm wanting to kind of save all of like the chit chat for the end of the episode. I'm wanting to like kind of just jump right into the case and focus on the case until the very end. And that's whenever we'll be doing all of our little chit chat stuff. Minus if, like, I feel like something needs to be announced at the beginning of the episode, then obviously that is different. Um, But I feel like you kind of need a palate cleanser after the episode sometimes. So that's how we're going to be kind of setting it up. We're going to start with a case that really, really freaking stuck with me. Um, I actually watched this in 2014 on... Investigation Discovery, it was an episode on See No Evil. It was on the season one, episode three. And it has literally stuck with me, literally, for years now. And this was, like, the first case that I feel like really got me into true crime. And it's definitely the first case that I actually looked into and, like, researched. So, I knew that this is the first case that I wanted to cover on our little podcast here. So, I'm just going to jump right into it. So... This is going to be the brutal rape and murder of Kelsey Smith. Kelsey Smith was born May 3rd, 1989. Um, Her mom said that she was the life of the party, super duper outgoing, and a very, very responsible teen. Um, She had just graduated from high school and was planning to attend Kansas State University in the fall time. So June 2nd, 2007 started out like any normal day, you know, Kelsey was just going to run to Target, grab a gift for her boyfriend because they were going to be celebrating six. Oh, you already know. You know exactly, exactly what case I'm covering now. (laughs) But anyway, so they were going to celebrate six months together. So she went to Target to buy her boyfriend a gift. While at Target, she called her mom and she asked her mom a quick question about where the picture frames were because she was going to buy her boyfriend a picture frame. And, you know, her and her mom talked for a couple minutes, and she said that she would be home soon. Her dad, um, who is Greg Smith, he worked in law enforcement for 16 years. And he said that he began to worry that something had happened to her whenever she was late coming home because it was just completely unlike Mm her. Police and other authorities and the national media launched an intensive 
publicity campaign and a search. And I do want to mention, because I found that this was like super duper interesting. She was actually only in the Target for 11 minutes and the Target was eight minutes from her house. So super mm. close, like, you know, her parents literally thought that she'd be right home because right. it was literally yeah. just like a quick trip to Target. Four hours after the investigation started, authorities found her car abandoned in a Macy's parking lot, which was actually across the street from the Target. They found her purse, her wallet, and all the items that she had bought at Target left in her car. But Kelsey wasn't there, nor was her cell phone. This case got so much media attention whenever she first went missing. Like, they were literally just wanted to get the information out there so that, you know, if anyone had any information they could tell the authorities. So she had last been seen at 7.07 p.m. in the parking lot at Target at the Oak Park Mall in Overland Park, Kansas. So the police decided to start their investigation there. They confirmed that she had walked out of Target and had gotten into her car from the Target security cameras. So they looked at the surveillance footage again and the footage showed her parking her car, entering the store, it showed her walking around the store, calling her mom, um, showed her getting her items. She didn't talk to anyone um, but the cashier whenever she checked out. And the police did talk to the cashier, and she said that she didn't notice anything, like, weird or odd. You know, Kelsey wasn't acting strange. She didn't see anyone hanging around. So they were all just really stumped. And at first, the surveillance video didn't show anything unusual, but as they looked a lot more carefully and they slowed down the footage they saw a flash in the screen of the direction of Kelsey and her car so basically whenever a camera is put at a distance and something like runs towards the camera it almost kind of creates like a flash where you can't really make out perfectly what the image is but you can see that someone was something. moving yeah mm -hmm. you can see something and so that's what they saw and so they realized that this flash was a person who was, you know, like running. And so they noticed that this flash ran up beside Kelsey and like basically got in her car. So they determined that a person literally ran up beside her, pushed her in her car as she was getting in her car. You've seen it. Mm -hmm. It's terrifying yeah. to see this. I mean, it's just literally a split second where you can see something and then it's gone. And it's almost for a second, you're just like, wait, what? Did I actually see something? Or was that just like, you know, a trick of the mind? And so it was really just a, a split second. So the detectives determined that if she was abducted by someone, it had to have been somebody that was watching her in Target. Like there had to be something that they missed in the footage. They're looking through the security cameras again, and they noticed that a white male in his early 20s who was wearing a white top and dark shorts, seemed to be in every single aisle and almost every single part of the footage that Kelsey was in. He was at, like, a very discreet distance, so not something that, like, anyone would really have noticed unless they were actually looking for it. And so it honestly looks like a lion, like, stalking its prey. Hmm. You've seen it. Yeah, yeah, but I'm just picturing it. It's, yeah. It's a creepy feeling. It is. It's, it's so creepy. It. Whenever she goes up to the cashier, they do see the man leave. So she went to check out. He didn't have, obviously, he didn't have any items, and he leaves. He just walks out the door and leaves. 
So they see her walk to her car, and then they see the flash whenever she gets into her car, and then they see her car leaving. Well, you gotta remember, she was she was just ran in there to get something real fast. Yeah. So you don't think to be looking around at your surroundings, you know, because yeah. you're in a hurry, you want to grab it, you want to get out of there. Yeah, so, she was literally in there for 11 minutes, so yeah. it was just a quick trip. She was on a mission, she knew what she wanted, mm-hmm. and she got in and got out. Yeah, wrong and I place mean... Wrong at the wrong time, obviously, you know? Oh, yeah, and I'll I mean, go in... I'll talk about that more towards the end of the episode, but it really was just like a case mm-hmm. of that. But whenever they take a look at the Macy's surveillance video, they see that her car had been left about two hours after her car had left Target. And whenever they look at this footage, they see a figure who is wearing very similar clothes to the man in the Target video leaving her vehicle in the Macy's parking lot and then running towards the street. Like, almost like he was running to the other side of the street where Target was. Hmm. So then they look at the Target video, and they're, like, comparing these videos together. And they see, moments later on the Target video, they see a a 1970s Chevrolet truck leaving. And so they kind of confirm that the figure who left her car also ran ran over to Target and got into this truck. And they see that the driver is male and wearing the same clothes as the Macy's video. After they checked her car for fingerprints, they actually ended up lifting a fingerprint off of her seatbelt that, like, couldn't be accounted for. So, like, obviously, like, her parents' fingerprints mm-hmm. and her boyfriend fingerprints, and, you know, all of her friends and stuff, her, their fingerprints were in there. But this one couldn't be accounted for before Kelsey even drove into the parking lot and they actually see the same exact chevy pickup truck arriving at target right before kelsey drove in and in this image they actually got like a really really good picture of the guy in the truck so they released this this photo to the public so that way his image could be out and so then they decided to ping her phone because remember her phone was not in her car and I actually read online that it was her boyfriend's idea idea to ping the phone. Um, so if you remember, like, this is from 2007. So it's obviously not, like, a super common thing to, you know, ping the phone. Mm-hmm. But his uncle worked for Sprint and actually told him that this was, like, something that... Was a possibility. Yeah, that phone yeah. companies were capable of. Which, I don't know, I just found it kind of interesting that... You know, this wasn't something like that the police initially thought of. But again, this is in 2007, so it's not like a super like common thing. Yeah, and it's 2020. That's you know, yeah, a long time ago. Exactly. The technology's changed a lot since then. Yeah. Cell phones changed. Everything's changed since then. So. Mm-hmm. So it actually took four days for Verizon to hand over the records, and I tried to find like the exact reason for this, but I couldn't really find like why it took Verizon so long. Decided a lot of controversy over this. I saw like a lot of people. I saw like a forum where a lot of people were arguing about this, and I don't know. I I do kind of understand it to an extent, just because this was two thousand and seven, and I'm sure that like the privacy laws and like, all of this stuff was completely different. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm sure that they had to have a warrant, and obviously warrants take a long time. Mm -hmm. And so I do kind of understand this was 2007. Like, kind of get it. But I did see a lot of people where people were arguing where it shouldn't have taken that long, and it probably shouldn't have, but... time is in essence in cases like this. Yeah, I mean, the first 48 hours, and this took four days to get this. Yeah, so, I mean, that's a lot of time wasted that, 
they needed. Yeah. But again, I do get it because I'm sure I can guarantee that there was probably privacy laws that like oh. hindered them. Yeah, for sure. And they didn't want like a legal, a legal thing. Anyway, um, so whenever they were eventually able to get the records, um, they were able to pinpoint an area that was 1.1 miles north of a certain tower. And so they started searching around that area. And then within 45 minutes of getting this information on June 6th, 2007, at 1.30 p.m., the searchers found the naked body of Kelsey Smith. She was located in a wooded area near Longview Lake in Grandview, Missouri. And it was about 20 miles from where she had actually been abducted. Um, So they did an autopsy and it confirmed that she had been choked with her own belt and had been raped and sodomized. So if they put this piece of shit photo everywhere, they put it all over the media everywhere just hoping that someone would recognize this guy and i actually seen the image and he recognized him like as his neighbor and it's crazy because i actually read an article where this guy says that him and his wife actually like joked saying oh wow that guy looks like our neighbor yeah and they didn't think anything of Mm -hmm. it and then what's the chances right i mean honestly you hope what's the chance next day they saw where the police had actually released the information about the truck and then they're like, oh, shit. That is. That's, that's my that's neighbor's truck. And so they immediately called police. So on the evening of June 6, 2007, um, police arrested 26-year-old Edwin Roy Jack Hall. And I do want to mention this because I I kind of got to thinking about it last night um, whenever I was doing the research for this episode. And I know for me, if I was in a store... I would think that, like, a 40-year-old would have done this. You know what I mean? Like, I would – because just yeah. for the simple fact that, like, if a 40-year-old approached me – well, not I mean not even 40, like, maybe, probably at 45 – approached me at 25, I'd just be like, okay, what the hell does this guy want? Mm-hmm. But someone my very own age – You wouldn't think as much Yeah, Yeah. I would be off guard. Right. You know? Think of, like, a, a man lurking in the shadows. Yeah, it's you don't someone think of someone – that's old, yeah, you know what I'm saying? You don't think of someone young. Yeah. So, I just wanted to point that out. But, um, he was actually in the process of getting ready to go on vacation with his wife and son when the police showed up. Oh my gosh, what a creep. Which I find interesting because, like, okay, oh, convenient that you all are going on a vacation. Um, no, 100%. This guy was going to skip town. Like, he was was getting out of there. And, um, imagine if, like, they hadn't released the truck info. The neighbor wouldn't have called, True. and this guy would have been in a freaking different state, and they wouldn't have known where to freaking find him. So crazy. Um, but on June seventh, two thousand seven, so the very next day after he was arrested, he was um, charged with premeditated first degree murder and aggravated kidnapping. At the time of his arrest, he was actually married and was a father of a four year old son. It horrifies me to think that. This guy literally has a wife and a child, and he went out and murdered someone else's child. Yeah, I know. That's Even insane. though she was older than, of course, his kid, that's someone's child, and you took him from him. I just, I know it's nuts. And yet you went on home to your child and act like nothing happened. Mm-hmm. Literally, just moved on with your life. <laughs> Later. On June 23rd, 2008, um, 
he actually ended up taking a plea agreement. So he pleaded guilty to all four charges that were brought against him. And the hearing actually came after the judge ruled that the prosecutors could still seek this death penalty. So whenever I read this, I was kind of like, wow. So he literally took a plea just to avoid dying. That's what it sounds like. Yeah. And it's to life in prison without parole for kidnapping, rape, and murder. And in court, Paul actually apologized to Smith's family for his actions. And I actually watched, like, the video of this because I found it on YouTube. And I don't know how I feel about it, to be honest. He was just, he, like, literally said, like, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. That's all I can say. He was actually incarcerated in the Hutchison, Kansas Correctional Facility. And something did actually come out of Kelsey's death. It is actually called the Kelsey Smith Act which is a law that states, in essence, that cell phone companies can ping a cell phone if authorities determine that the subscriber is in danger. Most U.S. states have passed the law, and the United States Congress is debating federalizing it. I'm kind of shocked that this wasn't something already, but thank goodness that it now is actually yes. something. I yeah, feel like... seconds matter. Believably, you know, sad case, and it's just kind of crazy because it literally could have been anyone, and it, it just happened to be Kelsey. Everybody runs to a store to grab something yeah it was just such a freaking normal everyday thing yeah it could have been anybody yeah literally could have been anybody like like we said she was at the wrong place at the wrong time oh 100 she would have been five minutes later five minutes earlier this may have never happened and i know for me i feel like bad things aren't gonna happen um in the daylight whenever i'm surrounded by other people like, going into somewhere where there are other people, I'm like, oh, okay, I'm going to be fine. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's whenever you're, like, home alone mm-hmm. or, you know, walking to your car at night in a parking lot. Like, that's whenever you think that some things are going to happen. You don't think, okay, me running up to the store to grab something real quick and literally being in the store for 11 freaking minutes is whenever something bad's going to happen. I to know how he acted towards his wife. Like, when he first walked in the door, mm-hmm. and it first happened, if he was acting weird, if she sensed anything was wrong. Did they ever interview her? Did you ever? No, I literally, because I find it so interesting. how could you go murder somebody and yeah. just walk into a house with your family and act like nothing's wrong? Yeah. To find any information about his wife, where she was now, what she's doing, about her son, just anything. I could not find any information. I can't say I blame her. I probably would have went and changed my name and everything Mm -hmm. because there's no way I'd want to be associated with that person or have his last name or even have my child remember him. Yeah, I searched everywhere. Literally, I spent so many hours searching and I could not find any information. I did see where she did. She was like in the courtroom for all of the, for everything. Mm -hmm. She was sitting behind him, but yeah. I don't know. I couldn't find any information about well, it. You just don't think it could be. You know what I mean? You're married to somebody, get a kid with somebody, think, oh, it couldn't be him. There's no way. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. And then it starts Well, especially you, if well, he's maybe. denying it at first. Like, yeah. you're going to be like, okay, there's no way. Parents Greg and Missy Smith run the Kelsey Smith Foundation, which is a not-for-profit charity that is dedicated to protecting the youth and young adults of our communities from violent crime. From violent crime through education and outreach, which I think is just so freaking amazing. 
be aware of your surroundings, even mm-hmm. if it doesn't involve you. If you see something that's out of place and it doesn't seem right, don't hesitate yeah. a second to go tell somebody because wouldn't you rather make a fool out of yourself and know that nothing happened than yeah. it possibly be something that could have turned into so saving someone's life? You know, because if people would have noticed that this guy was following her around and lurking and watching her, mm-hmm. everything could have been different. Yeah. Taught me that I need to always be aware of my surroundings. And if I'm going to go to a store by myself, I'm going to park my car right in front of the camera. That's true. With my driver's That's side do- driver's side facing the camera so that way you can make it all out. It, it does make you more aware. Yeah. I mean, because everything can change literally in a matter, of seconds. a matter of seconds. But that's it for this case. I am wanting to kind of close out our episodes, you know, kind of talking about anything kind of true crimey or spooky that we may have been listening to or watching or whatever. Um, I did miss it, mention the Prodigal Son. Uh, so good on Fox. Definitely check it out. And then since this is our first episode, and you obviously don't know what we like to listen to, my two favorite true crime podcasts are Morbid and Housewives of True Crime. I absolutely freaking love them. I actually got my mom and I both um, a Morbid (laughs) t-shirt and then a Housewives of True Crime sweatshirt. And yes, and I got us tickets to go see morbid yep live show in nashville excited excited which is like three hours from us but totes worth it oh yes worth it i'm excited so am i that'd be fun never done that before that'd be real fun yeah i'm definitely excited what do you listen to besides morbid and housewife of true crime yeah Uh, yeah i'm caught up on all the episodes so now i just listen to the one a week yeah i know i am the type of person that i have to binge you do binge see i don't have the time to binge but i am i am caught up on that one follow us on instagram i've made that i'm going to make a facebook page but we'll see and i also do want to make a website too to have all of our episodes and stuff but that's going to be later on down the road yeah we're very new to this very new it's going to take some time and I'm not good whenever it comes to technology. <laughs> I literally... <laughs> you? What about me? Cell phones is a well, challenge I'm, for me. I made that, like, little logo, and that took me, like, <laughs> over three hours. And, like, I'm not a graphic designer at all. I, I listen do. to crime.